This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today we're talking about... What's in your freezer? Indeed. What is in our freezers? We're going to find out today. And this question slash topic was asked slash suggested by listener Kara. Thank you, listener Kara. Thank you, listener Kara. So, Matthew, what do you remember being in your freezer when you were growing up? Okay, well, first of all, obviously growing up, I had my own personal freezer. (laughs) Well, actually, I was going to ask, did your family have like, you know, the freezer that was in your kitchen and then a garage freezer? Yes, we did. I don't remember when we got the garage freezer. And I don't even particularly remember what would go in the garage freezer versus the indoor freezer, because like I mostly just remember the indoor freezer. Okay, so what was what was in there? There, I mean, we never had like a half a cow in the garage freezer or something. (laughs) Okay, Okay. so these these are the things that came to mind. I know like if you ask my mom, she would say like a bunch of other things, but the things that I would go to the freezer for. Budget Gourmet frozen entrees, Michelina's frozen entrees, Costco burger patties, uh, Taquitos and other frozen Mexican food were a big thing too. Okay. That's oh my basically god, that reminds me. It for me. I didn't put I didn't put this on my list, which I'll share in a second. But uh, do you remember Tony's microwave pizza? Yeah, definitely. For some reason, Tony's was the brand we always bought, and yeah, Tony's microwave pizza would always be in there. You didn't get Celeste um, pizza for one. I did not. No, I waited till I was of age to get that. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, sorry, mm-hmm. I just just made Matthew choke That's on his okay. tea. Like the show needs more spit takes. <laughs> Okay, Uh, so what I remember is Stouffer's Turkey Tetrazzini. Okay, sure. I really, I mean, I can still taste it. Um, Okay, Brahms French Vanilla Ice Cream. Now, that's interesting. I I never thought about Brahms as being a a home ice cream. Like, I know they sell it there because I was there, but it, it just didn't occur to me that you would actually buy it. Yeah, my dad would stop there and would get, you know, like a half gallon of milk and, and ice cream. And it was always French vanilla. So the kind, you know, it. what's the difference? It has like egg yolks or something. Yeah. In it. So it was always a little bit more kind of creamy colored uh, or, you know, kind of um, off white than yes. white. Yeah, true. 
Uh, egg crew, shall we? So there were also always frozen peas. I mean, I feel like that goes without saying, but I remember yeah. it as a kid because I remember uh, using them as ice packs sometimes. Oh, do you? I'm sure we talked about this before. The Daniel Pinkwater series of uh, children illustrated children's books, uh, Irving and Muck Tuck, Two Bad Bears. No. Oh, okay. Well, um, God, I love it when you say the name of of children's books on this show. Like, it's always so cute. I I start to get sleepy immediately. <laughs> um, uh, say it again. Okay, so th- it's a series of books. The first one is called Irving and Muck Talk, Two Bad Bears, and it's a series of books about two polar God, bears so who are always like escaping, um, so they can eat blueberry muffins. And one oh, of them, yes. like, they get they get overheated because they're polar bears, and they have to and they have to like ice themselves down. And uh, and one of them says we are lying on frozen peas because they're lying oh, on frozen peas. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know that context for frozen peas, but now I do. Okay, so in December, there would always be my mother's Christmas cookies. Oh, sure. And I remember standing in front of the freezer kind of prying open the lid on one of these like big rectangular Tupperwares that were oh, stacking yeah. and taking out a Linzer cookie. There was also, I just remembered this morning working on the agenda that there was some sort of like salesman who came door to door would like pull up with this like hatchback with a whole bunch of coolers in the back and he sold meat door to door. That and is so hard to (laughs) understand. it, It wasn't just like, it's like difficult to explain. I remember one thing he sold was Cornish game hens that were already stuffed with wild rice. Okay, sure. Mixture. He also sold uh, individually packaged boneless, skinless chicken breasts. This was the 90s. Sure. So that was a big sell. Anyway, I remember my parents were quite enamored with the quality of the meat this guy sold. Okay. Whatever. So he'd just pull up in the driveway and my parents would go out there and buy meat out of the back of his car. Sure. Seems Um, seems legit. But the other thing that was in my freezer (laughs) was my poetry. (laughs) Because (laughs) Because it was too hot to handle. (laughs) I want to discuss this later. Someone had told me that like if the house burned down, that there was something like flame retardant about (laughs) like the the box of a, a freezer. Oh, and, and if so we had my, lost, if 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 civilization had lost your teenage I, poetry, I was a teenager, and it was know, very it makes, important to it me. It makes to total keep, sense. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, now I keep the adult equivalent of teenage poetry in my freezer, which is to say, my DNR, my uh, my mm-hmm. will. Wait, do you really uh, keep my those things in the freezer? Yes, oh, I straight wow, up okay. do. Because then I know where they are. Like, if I put them in, like, a file box or something, then, like, somebody has to go get the file box. True. But this, <laughs> this way, you just get the freezer. Okay, okay. yep, I'm, I'm I mean, sold. What if, what if I die? Everybody now knows where to find information about my my final wishes. Yes, okay, yeah. At the moment you breathe your last, everyone will come running to your freezer to, freezer. to get that poetry. Yeah. Anyway, Matthew, like, do, do you not keep your, your will in your freezer? I do not. I keep it in the file box. <laughs> what, does everybody know where the file box is? You should tell the listeners. What do you mean everybody? Like, is it's important for the <laughs> listeners to, like, no. step in and, like, I have named the listeners as my executors, so... Oh. Okay. Um, I, about I forgot me? about that till you till you reminded me just now. 
Okay. So yeah. So yeah. Okay. So uh, the file box is in my side of the bedroom closet. Okay. Underneath, like some shirts. Uh, what if and- there's a fire, Matthew? I don't know. It's on Google Drive. Okay. That fair enough. Okay. All right. Okay. When I, I mean, when when you were a kid, did your parents have a safe deposit box? Mine did. My mother still has a safe deposit box, and I'm. Uh, she took me over to the bank. Okay, like, maybe my parents do too. I don't years. know. They certainly did when I was a kid. I remember my mom being like, "Got to take you over to the bank and get your signature on the safe deposit box." I mean, Doesn't it does kind quaint? of make sense, but also it sounds so annoying, and I don't want to pay for it. Well, luckily, I'm not paying for it. Yeah, no, no. I mean, for I don't want to get one for myself for that reason. Yeah. Even yeah. though it would be the right place what to keep my poetry. What if the burns down? What if? I mean, what if? Anyway, so yeah, my childhood poetry was in my freezer, and yeah. uh, it's not anymore. I don't keep my writing in the freezer. In fact, I hardly even have printed copies of my writing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, do you do you feel like some some sense of loss that the keeping poetry in the freezer era has passed us by? No. Okay, cool. Yeah. Anyway, Matthew, hold on. You you did the research for this episode. I did. And I, I think you may have gone quite deep into freezers. And you're going to be able to answer once and for all my question about whether a freezer is going to survive a, a house fire. I didn't research that. So uh, get to work. <laughs> I mean, I know that like safes have like a fire rating. For like how long they'll like they will keep stuff unburned like in a fire like you know that like they could be in a fire for two hours or something. I'm gonna look this okay. up. All right, what if I just Google? Okay, can a freezer catch on fire? All right, great question. Appliance fire. This is from TemperatureMaster.com. No, no, no. This is appliance fires. I'm not talking about the freezer catching on fire. Like, will a fr- I- the proper thing to Google is will a freezer survive a house fire? Will a freezer survive a fire? Okay, great. Hide your items in an appropriate fireproof location. A fridge or freezer is definitely the most effective choice. As such items are the most likely to survive a house fire. Also, a thief would probably not think to look in such places. And this is from a very reputable website, (laughs) (laughs) hunker.com. Um... <laughs> uh, okay, so here, here's a thread on Reddit where someone says, can I store my documents in the freezer? And the, the top response is, I don't know about the safety of your documents, but I can tell you that they will smell rank after a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay. I don't think we can really recommend this. Okay. Um, well, I did take all my documents and I wrapped the entire envelope in plastic wrap. Before I put it in the freezer, it, maybe it'll take like twenty minutes longer to smell rank. Yeah, no, that that would definitely prevent poetry freezer burn. Yeah. Um, okay, okay, Matthew, tell us about freezers. All right, I, I noticed when we were when I was researching for this recipe, like we, we've done, we did like a frozen vegetables episode, and we talked about Clarence Bird's Eye. We talked about TV dinners on a TV dinner episode. I don't want to go into that. I want to go. We into- talked about Picard les surgelés. Yes. Oh, I I went down a rabbit hole on their website yesterday. It was really? so much great stuff. I, I should have bookmarked this because I'm going to get the French wrong. There was like a, a frozen buckwheat crepes with gruyere, onions, and, and lardon. And the top review was one star, pas d'oignon, pas de lardon. Oh! 
It's so great. Oh my god, no onions and no bacon bits. <laughs> so, so maybe skip that one. Okay. okay. So let's let's talk about the history of freezers for a little bit first. So freezers. You know, ways of keeping food cold long predate, like by centuries, ways of keeping fruit, food frozen, which was just not practical in a domestic setting until the 20th century. Because, okay. yeah. Okay, that makes like, sense. You know, you had like an ice box that where you like packed ice around a compartment and that would keep it cold inside, but not like zero degrees frozen cold, right? So if someone, uh, for instance, pulled up at your house with a trunk full of meat, yep. do you think it would have been like cured meat? I prior think it would have been cured meat, yeah. The 1900s. Okay, wouldn't have been frozen. Yeah, they would Got have like it. popped open the hatch on their Model T. <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, and they would have pulled out some, some Soprasadas. Jerky. Some jerky. Yeah. I got some Mm -hmm. really good cured meat for Christmas, by the way. We're recording this, like it's a freezer outside as we're recording this. It's 17 degrees this morning in Seattle. It's uh, December 27th. Uh, it's the coldest day in Seattle since 2010. So, so the point is I got cured meats for Christmas. I also got pineapple jerky, which looks really good. I haven't opened it yet. Wow. I didn't get anything edible for Christmas. Really? I got, really? I got yeah. like a huge sack of chocolate and some cured meats. I feel like that's like a dad thing. We always used to get my dad edible things for yeah, Christmas. Yeah, I used to get your it's dad like when edibles you become for a Christmas. Dad, everybody starts giving you like beer of the month and, and edibles. <laughs> Okay, go on. Okay, so freezers were introduced the, to the American retail market in 1940. Prior to okay. that, there were like, like you know how like in your dorm fridge, you would have had like a little tiny metal tray at the top where you could fit maybe one or two ice cube trays, and that's yeah. it. Some, yeah. you know, home refrigerators had that before that. Some of them did, but there wasn't like a separate freezer compartment until 1940, and it didn't really like take off and become a popular, uh, you know, mode of, of freezer freezer fridge till after World War II. And okay. uh, wife of the show, Lori, mentioned that her grandparents, the freezer that they had in their house, like their whole lives did not have a separate freezer compartment. It just had like the tray. Interesting. And it it so was my bought dad, in like 1959 or something, 49. My dad uh, was born in 1929. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to think that he probably would have grown up through his childhood years without having, yeah, this like household appliance that seems so normal in the way that we live and cook now. Yeah. And of course, as soon as freezers, like there was a, a, uh, you know, synergistic is the wrong word. Um, What's what's it called when like symbiotic relationship between frozen food and freezers? Like the more people got freezers, the more manufacturers started to market frozen food. The more manufacturers started to market frozen food, the more people wanted to buy. It was was like a downhill. Yeah, it was like a snowball rolling downhill. There were, oh man, there have been so many uh, cars trying to drive up and down our hill in the snow, which no one should do. And it's very funny. (laughs) All right. So, um, yeah, when it gets when it gets cold, like I get weird. That's what happens. Awesome. So keep going. I wanted to know if if how freezers work. And like I had this image of like a child asking me to explain how a freezer works and me realizing I have no idea. So I so I looked it up. Okay. And now do you know the answer without looking at my explanation? No, I don't understand how they work. Okay. Tell me everything. Let's start by thinking about what happens when you spray an aerosol can. All right? The can gets cold, cold, right? Wait, the can gets cold. Yeah. 
forgot about that. Okay, yeah, the so can. The, can the reason the can gets cold is because gas is expanding, and when gas expands because of you know the ideal gas law, the temperature goes down. What's the ideal gas law? It's the relationship between uh, the temperature, quantity, temperature, and pressure of a gas. So, like, when you put a gas under pressure, the the temperature goes up because more gas molecules are hitting the the sides of the container. When you when, oh okay, right, I'm, I'm getting that this sort now. of thing. Okay, um, okay. So the idea is, we're not trying to make a can cold here. We're trying to make the inside of a box cold. And how can we use the same principle to do that? Now, making a box warm really easy. Warming stuff up that's like the natural state of things. You just turn on a heating coil, it gets warm. Making a box cold is a lot harder okay all right this is a difficult problem so okay we pump gas into a chamber at high pressure this chamber is not the box of your freezer it's like at the bottom of your fridge all right okay so now we've got this pressurized gas that's very hot it goes through those tubes on the back of your fridge yes so so that it's no longer like deadly hot and then it gets sprayed into a low pressure evaporator And the evaporator gets super, super cold because you've got this gas under very high pressure going to very low pressure. Okay. All right? Okay, okay. And so then you blow air over that extremely cold evaporator into the fridge and freezer, and you blow more of it into the freezer so it gets colder and less of it into the fridge, and that's how your fridge and freezer work. Okay, so this hot air, it seems like this hot air would be problematic because, well, for one thing, it like, is problematic. You don't want to have like an uncontrolled heat source mm-hmm. in, in your house. I mean, like just giving off heat all the time. And the other thing is, like, what's in that? What is that air? Very good questions. Okay, so you, there is no way to avoid having your fridge or freezer also be a space heater. That's basic physics. You okay. can't you can't okay. make it cold inside without taking that heat and emitting it somewhere. Okay, and it's a very energy intensive process. So wait, do, what about an air conditioner? Does an air conditioner do this too? An air conditioner is exactly the same thing, except that the box that you're trying to make cold is your house instead of a smaller thing inside your house. It's exactly the same. Okay, so if I have like uh, we have like a portable air conditioner that uh-huh. has this big fat like uh, like kind of accordion yes tube that goes outside. So what's that thing doing? It's taking the hot air that's generated by the compression process and sending that outside so that it can blow the cold air inside. There's no way to make an air conditioner that doesn't have a vent to the outdoors that's physically impossible. Unless, Unless you're like bringing blocks of ice in. I'm kind of amazed, though, that like standing next to my refrigerator, I don't feel a lot of heat coming off of the refrigerator because like it's because it gets sent to the back of the refrigerator. If you were standing behind it, it would be pretty warm. Okay. 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 Fair enough. So you also asked, like, what is this stuff that's inside the tubes that's that's getting compressed and expanded? And yes. here's where things get not so great. Okay. The the answer is like, could you just use water? No, that would not work at all because the boiling point of water is way too high, and you're trying you're trying ah. to evaporate this quickly. So you need something that's a gas at room temperature and actually a gas at lower than freezer temperature. And oh, you okay. you want it to be so so the type of of substance we're talking about is a refrigerant. And so you want it to be non-corrosive, non-toxic, and non-flammable so that it won't like break down the, yes, you there. Wait, I'm raising my hand. 
I'm just realizing that we like never have to refill whatever this thing. That's is right. It's a totally closed system. Freezer. It's just it's it's energy is being put into it to compress the gas and then expand the gas. And it just keeps going around and around. And they're like, they used to be, you know, they would leak, they would wear out. You'd have to to like refill them and replace them. That hasn't been true for a very long time. It's a pretty mature technology. Okay, so what is the stuff in this closed system? It's got to be able to store a ton of heat. It's got to be a gas at a low temperature. It has to compress and expand readily. And for many, many, many years, this meant using R12, also known as Freon, which is a great refrigerant. It does all of those things. Unfortunately, it also destroys the ozone layer and has extremely high global warming potential, 10,000 times as bad as CO2. So Freon has been banned for a while, but it is a great refrigerant. But not that long because you and I both grew up in an era of Freon use. Um, It's it's a great refrigerant in the same way as uh, that an atomic bomb would do a really great job of decluttering your house. But um, Mm -hmm. I just did that with an apple in my mouth. Here's the problem, though. So you go looking for a better refrigerant. You have to make compromises somewhere. So, like a lot of a lot of uh, like air conditioning units now use propane. That's flammable if it gets out. Okay. You know, so so you have to you have to if you want one that doesn't cause as much global warming, you have to compromise on other things. And there are no really good choices. the The problem is we're just doing too much freezing and refrigerating. So wait a minute. So like, what do our fridges and freezers probably run on? That's that's a good question. So most likely they run on like a post-freon organic, you know, uh, refrigerant that is not great, but not nearly as bad as Freon. So so something that, uh, you know, maybe requires more energy to produce, but doesn't uh, have as much global warming potential. Some like I, I, I kind of went down a rabbit hole reading about all different refrigerants. And now I'm going to tell you every a lot about every single one, because that's what our listeners demand. Do you think we still have any listeners? Not at this point in the show. No. <laughs> OK, what should we do now? Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, have you finished watching the Beatles Get Back sessions? Yes, I did. I loved it. Like, um, can Ash you? I, would you have have predicted that a middle aged American dude would love this documentary? It uh, seems weird, never right? In a million years, no. But but the second episode, Ash and I literally had to like stop and start over the course of three or four nights to get through it because it was like watching high teenagers just try to make each other laugh. Like it was uh-huh. so dumb. I was like you. God, you guys, get it together and do your jobs. I know, but but um, yeah, like we But then, but then in the end, 
Like, we can't stop talking about it. I know. But but also, isn't that what we do? <laughs> and like, oh. and we force everyone to listen to it? Isn't that what we're doing right now? It is. Aren't we doing the oh, equivalent no. of singing I've Got a Feeling, like, with a, with a Scottish can, accent? Oh, God. We're going home. <laughs> we're going home. <laughs> Guan home. <laughs> then, okay. <laughs> but 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 unlike them, like we know when to when to like pause the joke and like move on yeah. to like, the real stuff. Yeah. So uh so Matthew, what's the must have item in your freezer currently? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I mean your poetry that I stole, obviously. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Which one's your favorite? Oh, the the one um about a horse that Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, I did read some of your old poetry once, with your permission. Do you remember this? Oh, I don't know. We've been we've been friends for so long. I I I think I blocked that part out. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Anyway, what's in your freezer now? Um, Safeway pot stickers. Gotta have them. Trader Joe's frozen curries. Very good. Some kind of frozen noodle. uh, Could be ramen. Could be udon. Could be Chinese wheat noodles. Could be all of the above. Mm -hmm. You you got. I I, I don't want to do all of mine. Okay. So uh. So guess what, everybody? I still keep frozen peas. Yeah, in case in case polar bears come over. Yes. I always have a good supply of frozen fruit for smoothies. So always got to have strawberries, raspberries, blueberries. And then whenever I have bananas that are getting too ripe. Oh, we have uh, some of those I now. The, I put the whole banana in the freezer. Oh, of course. We've talked about this a that, lot. Yes. Uh, I have. So when we bought this house uh, uh, like 11 years ago now, it came with two crappy ice cube trays in the freezer. Okay. And yeah. I still have one of them. <laughs> and and then the other ice cube tray we have is from like a koala crate, like kids, like science kit. Okay. And both of them make really gross tasting ice, but <laughs> but we just what else are we going to do? Like yeah. What do you do if you need I like I I need ice for the occasional cocktail. Otherwise, I don't really need ice, but ice that you make in an ice cube tray always tastes terrible. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, when you were a kid, did you ever have an ice cube tray that had like a lever that was supposed to make it easier to to break the ice out of out of ice jail? I had one of those. Uh, Brandon found one at like a, you know, thrift store or something when we were in our late 20s, early 30s, and we both found it extremely enchanting, except we never successfully operated it. Yeah, of course. I know. I, I like think we had one when I was a kid. Lever. No, because it freezes. Have... <laughs> yes, it totally freezes. If, I it, yeah, if, you're though, supposed if the to... water in it wasn't frozen, it would work great. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So yeah, I've always got these two janky ice cube trays. Yeah. Ice cube tray technology, I don't think has really gotten anywhere in our lifetime. Like it's still like we still have just like kind of the same old shit. I just, and my freezer doesn't smell terrible. I keep it fairly clean. And yet, the, and I use filtered water for my ice cube trays. Interesting. Yeah, yet, I don't know. I just feel like it doesn't taste that great. Anyway, okay. I also always keep a pound of ground beef in the freezer. Oh, yeah, that makes because sense. Because there is nothing like like the power that you have if you have a pound of ground beef, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially if it's, um, if it's uh, hatchback beef. From, yes. Yeah. It took me a minute. Uh, oh, 
Parmesan rinds. You've got to have Parmesan rinds. Oh, in your interesting. Freezer. And like, here's the best thing, you know, as you finish them up, you just like, you make sure you have like a little Tupperware in your freezer that's your Parmesan rind place and you chuck them in there. That makes sense. You put ice packs on your list. Like we have ice packs in the freezer, but they are for lunches for people who go to work or school. Mm, and I I no. have never used an ice pack except when I hurt myself. Oh, okay. Do you, is that so what you we use have them for, large, for injuries? We ha- we have a large kind of gel ice pack that I use sometimes for my lower back because I'm old. Okay. And my spouse, my spouse has had a shocking number of injuries okay. slash so these surgeries. Are injury related. All right. That makes so sense. So these are all injury related. I mean, my spouse has had, uh, we even have like a special one that straps onto your face. Wow. Because uh, my spouse has had a couple of like uh, nasal valve surgeries and a uh, wisdom tooth removed. And we've got so many different kinds I, of I hate packs. having to ice a muscle so much. Like it feels like oh, it's not really? doing anything and it's cold. Yeah, it just it's just miserable to me. Oh, my God. But I love the feeling when the surface of your skin is really cold after you take it off. Mm, I don't think so. I just can't I don't like stop it. like like touching my own Ugh, lower back. No. I love it. Oh, OK. Anyway, and then my spouse goes through an alarming amount of ice cream. Oh, so yeah. I do, too. always ice cream, usually cookies and cream. Is it the yeah. Alden's cookies and cream? Is that the one that you gave a, like a funny nickname to? Hippies and Hippies cream. Hippies and cream. Yes. Yeah. Because it doesn't taste like it doesn't taste like Oreos. It tastes like too. I don't know. It tastes like off-brand Oreos. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but so, somehow it's really tasty anyway. Um, no, I, I like that Alden's ice cream. Other stuff in my freezer, uh, French bread pizzas, for sure. Stouffer's? Stouffer's or Red Baron, they're both good. Whichever one's on sale. Okay. Ice cream, pretty much any kind. Butter and- uh, Oh, you got to always have an extra pound of butter absolutely. in the freezer. Absolutely, yeah. Pound yes. of beef, pound of butter, you're golden. You can you can make my favorite dish. <laughs> here, here are the ingredients. One pound of frozen beef, one pound of frozen butter. You figure out the rest. <laughs> uh, okay, go on. Uh, and um, uh, what oh, are these? You wrote brown cookies. <laughs> they're they're um, ginger molasses cookies. But um, okay. uh, our our niece and nephew Angela and Jesse love them and call them brown cookies. And <laughs> that so, sounds like a euphemism. It does. And, yeah, and yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Frozen noodles. I feel like we should really. I know you mentioned frozen noodles, but I just want to say that I love having frozen frozen like frozen udon yeah. or whatever because like you don't defrost it you just mm-hmm. plunk it in boiling water and uh so it makes me feel like i also always have like an instant meal ready to go yeah if uh if i successfully make it to a wajamaya i'm gonna make some of that dipping udon this week excellent you know recently so ash really likes crispy m&ms the ones in the blue package sure. and they like them frozen oh and that, yeah i can we, see that we had like a sharing size bag of crispy m&ms in the freezer and Ash accidentally picked it up by the wrong end and it spilled everywhere. And we found them in there for weeks. Like just when we thought we had found the last crispy M&M. No, no, there would be another one. You know what I did recently? I dumped a bunch of flour on the rug. Oh my God. Can you imagine how hard it is? Did not do the job? The the vacuum sort of did the job. I had to like stop and empty it a bunch of times. Oh my God. It was bad. I'm so sorry. And then I had to clean the Um, filters on the vacuum, which, and then they take like three days to dry in the winter. Wait, you, you, you wash the filters? Yeah. 
That's what it said. You can do that. I thought you just replaced the filters. Um, ours came with instructions saying to saying to wash them. I mean, I do have replacement filters also, but I washed them. Yeah. Oh wow! I love. I'm this. a model okay, of is, thrift. Has there been anything else unexpected going on in your kitchen or your freezer lately? Oh yes, I found <laughs> this is. It's going to be so exciting. Uh, I found a bag of frozen ravioli in there that I forgot I bought, and then I ate it for lunch like three days in a row. Wow, what a feeling. Yeah. You know, I um, at Thanksgiving, I made an extra pie crust, and I went ahead and like rolled it out, crimped the edges. It's in like an aluminum pie plate, and I wrapped it all up nicely, put it in the freezer thinking I would use it at Christmas. I still haven't used it. What should I use it for? It's like ready to go. It's not par. It's not like par baked or anything. But I, what should so I do? You, I told you about how like I, I tried to make quiche recently and sort of got it on the second try, and I want to do mm-hmm. it again. So that's what comes to mind for me. But also, you can make like okay. an apple pie. Okay. So that's where you, that's where you like slice up apples and put them in the pie oh. crust. Oh, I was wondering. Yeah. Okay. You know what I ate this morning um, when I when I got back from my from my failed attempt at shopping uh, in the snow. Wife of the show Lori had made those uh, those hand pies using um, friend of the show Cheryl Day's pie crust recipe, but made like <gasps> apple turnovers. Yes, so good. Oh wow! You walked in from a snowy morning to that. Yeah, that is the stuff of a children's book. It was. Yeah. Were there any bears? I mean, it was Capitol Hill, so yeah. Um, <laughs> Nice one. Yeah, there should nice be one. there should be a children's book about me. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'll get right on it. Um, okay, Matthew, do we have any spilled mail this week? Do we ever? It's from listener Sophie. Hi, Matthew and Molly. I recently found a copy of Fuchsia Dunlop's Shark Fin and Sichuan Pepper in a used book barn in upstate New York. Shout out to the Owl Pen. Do you think a, a book barn is an actual barn? I hope so. Yeah, okay. Remembering that Molly had once referenced it in a long past episode, but little other context, I decided to splurge the $5 and take it home with me. The next couple of weeks were a potent reminder that the combination of food and travel writing has the power to banish that cooped up sensation of late and replace it with actual feelings of excitement and adventure, even if only lived vicariously through the author. Anyway, here's my mm. question for you. What are your favorite food and travel books that have allowed you to feel some sense of exploration in times when you've been unable to leave home? Also, where do you mm. find these books in a bookstore? Their wonderful intersectionality can make them hard to find sometimes. Keep up the great work. You too, Abby. Sophie from Toronto and partner of listener Sophie Mitch, Polls M. <laughs> Polls M. I love it. Do you um, want to go first? I think I talked uh, yeah. a lot about refrigerants and probably anyone I'll- who's still listening doesn't want to hear anything else from me. I'll go first. You know, I um, I loved this question because this is something that I've encountered a lot in reading over the past two years, like this feeling of almost like physically painful yearning yeah, yeah. to be somewhere else. And for me, actually, I don't know that I, I don't think I've read a lot of what would qualify as like travel writing, frankly. Matthew, you will be able to speak to this better. I don't know. We'll see. But the books that do this for me are a real mixture of genres. So, for instance, around Christmas time, I find Louisa Weiss's cookbook, Classic German Baking, incredibly transporting because, number one, there's something about her voice that is so reassuring somehow. Mm-hmm. 
And read it like the the traditions of German baking as she presents them are so like it's like the stuff of fairy tales. Yeah, um, at least for me as an American, it feels so old worldy in a way that I have real nostalgia around. So especially the the Christmas section of that book just makes me feel. Oh, my God. Like, very far away. You know, I recently dug out Nigel Slater's Kitchen Diaries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that well. Which I had not looked at in ages. I dug it out. And that book, even though, you know, it is not a travel thing. It's it's like the opposite of of travel. Totally. It's totally transporting, right? Oh, my God. It's so transporting. I recently made a potato leek soup from that book. and Oh, um, a a Poles M potato leek soup. (laughs) Anyway, it was so good to open up that book again and feel like I was in his, like, English garden. Okay, another thing, and maybe this is kind of a weird one, is Jenny Erpenbeck's book, Not a Novel. I don't know this at all. What is it? So she is a German writer. She is an East German writer, grew up in East Germany, and and writes in many ways really complicated ideas about home and, like, the, the loss of home, even when like the culture you come from is one that was filled with suffering and yeah. hardship. And so anyway, she uh, in this book, Not a Novel, which is a collection of essays, it's a memoir. She writes about growing up in East Berlin. And I read it sometime in, in 2021. And just the way that she writes about her neighborhood, I mean, it could be any neighborhood in any, I think, sort of older city. The lives of, of the older people who lived there with her, the, the like the dead ends in the neighborhood. I felt such unexpected nostalgia for a, a time and a place yeah. that... I have no reason to feel nostalgia for. Okay, hold on. I have two more, Please. Matthew. I'm really sorry. This is going on no, forever. No. And then and then I'm going to jump in and it's going to continue to go on. Okay. Uh, so MFK Fisher, sure. of course, um, especially if you're a Francophile, although there's a lot of Italy in there too, maybe some Switzerland, as I recall. I can't, yeah, that sounds I don't right. know. It's, I would start with the gastronomical me. In that book, you're going to start out in the Southern California of MFK Fisher's youth. and then, But then there's also a lot that takes place in Europe when she is, you know, uh, an adult. I remember an incredible meal involving trout. I feel like it was like at some Swiss chalet or something. I mean, it's just the stuff of a, like, at least a a Europhile's dreams. Okay, lastly, and this is not a book, but oh my God, nothing transports me like the movie Call Me By Your Name. I still haven't seen it. Where is that movie set? (laughs) I think Matthew is going to hate it. It's set in Italy, and of course, it's most famous for being uh, like a gay love story involving a peach. However, for me, oh my God, the scenery, the food, the music, it is like a, a, a wet dream of an Italian summer. Yes. Like an Italian countryside summer. Oh my God. Like, it makes me feel actual pain. It makes me so yearn 
for that. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I think like you like I I like stuck to a little more like classic travel writing because I think, but I think you make a good point that like you know transporting like travel writing doesn't have to be found in like a uh, you know I went to Italy and here's what I saw type of book. Mm-hmm. I found when I was like thinking about this that like that obviously like travel writing in English has been even more so than other genres like dominated by like a white colonialist perspective and like some of the (laughs) stuff I pick definitely fits in that perspective and I tried to pick some stuff that doesn't as well and I know you did too so first of all like I have to the first thing that came to mind is is Anthony Bourdain's A Cook's Tour which is Mm. uh, just like a brilliant all over the place book that he wrote while he was shooting his first ever travel series and it's the book that made me want to go to Japan I didn't know that about you oh wow Oh, okay. And so I would definitely recommend that. My favorite piece of travel writing from the last few years is definitely Diary of a Tokyo Teen by Christine Mari, who we've I've talked about on the show before. She is a a brilliant artist and writer and uh just like uses like so little ink to to like, you know, capture someone's face or a setting and put you there. It's like the the economy of her art is incredible. Mm. Like other other another Japan focused book is um, Bay McNeil's book. Hi, my name is Loco and I am a racist. It is a fascinating book that I haven't read in many years and need to reread. But um, Bay McNeil, he's a he writes a column for the Japan Times. He is he's a black American who lives in Japan. He's from from New York and he has incredible stories and like a really like unfiltered and thoughtful perspective that is very, very different from what you will get if you read like my kind of fawning book about Japan. Like, you know, he, okay. he really he he's one of the best uh, writers about the uh, black experience in Japan, which is a very unique perspective. Um, Fantastic. Uh, the book French Milk by Lucy, Lucy Knizli. I don't know if it's yeah, Knizli or Knizli. Her name. I've always wondered. Yeah, that's a delightful little uh, little memoir, graphic memoir about uh, about going to Paris. And the the one that's like, you know, you know, I need something like a brick of a book that I can like, you know, spend as much time with as I need. It's like the get back of books, like, you know, that'll get me through a sleepless night. You got to go with Waverly Roots, the food of Italy or the food of France. Like, you know, they, that is like, to me is like the quintessential, like I went to Italy, I ate everything and documented it in, in uh, enough detail that you can smell it. Ah, oh, fantastic. Oh, my God. What a good question. Thank you, Thank you, you listener so Sophie. Thank you so much, listener Sophie. And now it's time for Now But Wow. I feel I like we just oh, did Now But Wow, but now we're going to do now, now We're But Wower. It's time for me to talk about another book. And Matthew, this is one that actually you have read as Mm -hmm. well. And I have to say, I have not finished it at the time of this recording. Um, It is Ted Chang's first collection, right? His first collection, Stories of Your Life and Others. It's called. It is, well, Ted Chang, I know that, I, I believe I recommended his collection, Exhalation. Yes. Not too long ago. So it felt only natural to go back and do Stories of Your Life, which uh, is also acclaimed. I have been having the most wonderful time listening to an audiobook of Ted Chang's Stories of Your Life and Others while doing 
crossword puzzles. (laughs) Okay. Highly recommended for a winter activity. So Ted Chang writes, science fiction, speculative fiction, would you say? Short stories, just so engrossing. His brain is an incredible place. Get out a crossword puzzle. Get this book on audiobook and enjoy. Yeah, the first story in that book, Story of Your Life, it was made into the movie Arrival. and uh, It's not the first story. Okay. It's just the title the story. Title the first story, story right. is Tower of Babylon. Yes. Oh, that one's really good. Uh, but story, yes. story of Your Life is my favorite short story. It's astonishing. Really? Oh, yeah. I haven't gotten to it yet. <gasps> I'm so excited for you. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. It's very different from the movie. If you've seen the movie. Okay. I haven't seen the movie. Uh, but I bet our producer, Abby Circatella, who's a real movie buff, has seen the movie. And and she is <laughs> our producer, Abby Circatella. <laughs> Great segue. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, including now on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to chat with other Spilled Milk listeners, you can find us at reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. I, I pop in there like once a month or so and, and sometimes answer a question that someone asked three weeks ago. It's really exciting when, when that happens. Me too. What's your um, what's your uh, your username on there again? Oh, Candy Fiend uh, 69420. Perfect. <laughs> All right, that that's it. So um, let's uh, (sighs) let's finish out the show by um, talking about like our eight favorite refrigerants each. Okay, okay. I love post Freon. Mm -hmm. I -hmm. like you know you know what I found works really well is like uh, melted Starburst candies. Oh yes, so hot. Yeah, I ran out of ideas. All right, me too. I'm Matthew Amster Burton, and I'm Molly Weisenberg. Strangely, I think you have one of my hairs coming out of your, um, your, or maybe it's your wife's hair, but it looks more like my hair. No, left uh, headphone pad. There you go. You got it. Yeah. That looks like my hair. Yeah, I think so. Weird. I don't know what happened. Maybe you wore these headphones last time. I just, I'm decorating you with, with me. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 